Welcome to the Higher Self Podcast. I'm David Dom, author, coach, and founder of the Higher Self Academy. Each week we bring you a person or a message designed to help you begin living more from the inside out, from a place of balance, alignment, mindfulness, and inner peace. Welcome to the show. and the number seven. I wanted to mention the free copy of my book, Living in the Pause. You know, I wrote the book last year, Living in the Pause, Life After Addiction, Divorce, and Business Loss. And on my new website, daviddom.com, you could just click on the book link and actually get a free copy of my book. You can get a print copy, but you can also get an immediate download of the audio book as well. Also, if you want to be a guest on the show, you can reach out to me at daviddom.com forward slash guest. And if you're a teacher and you have an online course that lines up with yoga, meditation, inner peace, self-esteem, mindfulness, anxiety, depression, anything that helps people live in harmony and in balance in their lives, we need to talk. I'm allowing teachers to feature their course in my academy that we're building basically free. So you could get all of the proceeds and you keep those. So let's talk and you could visit daviddom.com forward slash teachers to connect with me on that. So today's episode has a guest on that we are discussing the ego. The ego has been a huge learning experience for me and kind of learning about the fact that the ego really isn't a real thing. It's a, it's a thought system, if you will, that we've created. It's built and created uh, by our beliefs. And some of those beliefs are that we are what we have, what we do, and what other people think about us. And once those things are gone, if let's say they're taken away by life circumstances, which they often are, then we're left with nothing, if, if that's the case. And sometimes it can wreck you. And in reality, we are much more than those things. The outside circumstances are not what we're about. And so it's a great interview. Go ahead and enjoy it. I am excited to have you on the podcast today. Here you go. So welcome, my friends. I have a guest on the show today, Todd Laments, who is the author of the best-selling book, Lose Your Ego, Gain the World. He has a huge social media presence with over 200,000 followers on Twitter. He is a corporate trainer and motivational speaker doing over 60 training appearances a year. Todd is an expert on ego control and keeping things in proper perspective. He's been a guest on Fox News, ABC, and CNN, and his corporate training seminars are called Eliminating Negativity from the Workplace. I'm excited to learn about Todd's expertise myself personally. Welcome, Todd. Oh, thanks, David. Thanks for having me on your show. It's time to be here. Absolutely. Glad to have you. So I wanted to start out by asking you, what led you to write your book? Well, my book is kind of my story about I was a serial, I'll tell you real quick, my my short uh, story is um, I was pretty much a serial entrepreneur. I started lots of businesses in my early 20s, and most of them failed. 
And I, I always say you only learn when you lose, and I, I lose more than most. And so as I got older, I had a I was in my early 30s, late 20s, early 30s, I had a very successful business that my ex-wife and I started. It was a construction business, and we went from two employees to over 80 employees. And um, my book is about being successful and not being able to handle it, um, kind of overdoing every part of my life and, and kind of destroying myself with my ego, um, spiritually, financially, <laughs> physically, every way you could. I, my ego got the best of me. Mm, gotcha. That happens. <laughs> so <laughs> that happens. And and what, um, if you could, what significance does the title have to, in context, really, to the the content of the book? Um, I think, um, personally, I think it's, a lot of times we think our ego gets us a lot further than it, than it does. Um, I found that people who are successful they take so much massive action that they're poor self-evaluators at how they got successful. And so if you ask them, they'll say it's this and that. And, and I get to talk to very successful people every day. I'm blessed for that. And one thing I, you know, I always stop them when they tell me, usually when they start telling you their story, they'll tell you how tough it was and how impossible it was. But I always stop them and, and interrupt the pattern and say, well, tell me about the blessings and the breaks that you've had. Because we've all had those too. <laughs> and that's as much of the story or the people that have helped you. Because we've all had those that's just as much part of the story as, as the tough times. Right. Right. Absolutely. So so one of the things that I noticed um is that that you're a specialist in personal accountability in your work. And that is I believe one of the most vital and crucial parts of living a productive life. So tell me about your take on personal accountability and how it plays into your work and what you do and ultimately everybody's life. Um, one thing I always preach and, and teach is, is being honest. And being honest with yourself is the most important thing. Um, I had a problem for years of uh, in my personal life and my business life of insulating my pe- myself with yes people. And a lot of people do this, and, and it's, it's based out of insecurity. And I think in life and in business, if you're not uncomfortable a lot, you're, you're not growing, you're not moving forward. So I challenge everybody to um, to grow, you need to be uncomfortable. Comfort kills us. It kills us slowly, but it does kill us. Mm. Yeah. And so so personal accountability is, I mean, an, an, another way of saying that is just honesty. And I, I heard you say being honest with yourself. That's a big, that's like a first step in a lot of in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, I like, you know, personal accountability. I don't know if you're a big football fan, but the coach Bill Parcells, um, you know, the coach of the Giants won a Super Bowl. And he, he always has this has this saying that says you're, you are what your record says you are. Because a lot of times in sports we say, well, if this would have happened, if this wouldn't happen. And we do that in life too. I mean, we're, we're, to be personally accountable, you have to say, I'm where I'm at right now because of the choices I've made and the people I've partnered with. And I like that approach because that way I'm in charge. I'm in control of it. Nothing was done to me. I'm not, you know, I'm getting myself out of victim thinking. And if I'm going to move forward, it's up to me to, to take, take accountability for the mistakes I've made also. Right. Yeah, th- that was a tough one for me. At some point, I, I learned that someone had taught that, you know, literally, you have to be 
come to a place or get to a place where you you feel and accept the fact that you are 100% responsible for everything that's going on in your life. And that was hard because they talked about, you know, they talked about, well, what about my childhood? What about this? What about that? No, everything. <laughs> because, yeah, you are what your record says you are, but at some point, that's, that that whole stuff that happened in the past as well, you almost have to let it go. So there's a, there's a fine line there, right? And so I get it. Yeah. It is tough, and I feel for people, everyone, you know, that's the one nice thing. I, You know, there's people that, you don't have to look very far to see people that have had it tougher than, than you have, you know, and it's just, a lot of people are treated badly all throughout their lives. I mean, no one's treated fairly through their whole life. <laughs> right. Um, sometimes sometimes we think that, it, but it rains on us all the same, and and it isn't fair, but certain people, they they it makes them tougher than they grow from it. And certain people, it doesn't, you know, and, and I want to be one of them. I'm working towards it every day. I'm not there yet, but I want to be one of those that, that when bad things happen to me, it makes me stronger. It doesn't destroy me. Yeah. Yeah, it usually does. That That's totally, I mean, hard. the struggle is, is what makes, you know, it builds the character. It makes us stronger, 100%. There are a lot of definitions and ideas you know, about, you know, w- w- what the ego actually is, per se. And based on your work and what you do, if you had a definition, I'm sure you have some kind of a definition, what what would, how would you define the ego? Well, you know, ego's funny it, it, because it's not a real thing, but it is a real thing. It's it's a spiritual <laughs> term. It isn't, it isn't a physical term. So, yeah, love isn't a real thing, but it's a real thing. And that's the same thing with ego. That's the best way I like to explain it to people is I look at ego as being sunglasses you put on to protect yourself from the real world. You know, and, and there is a healthy ego, which is, I think, is a healthy self-esteem. But then there's the delusional ego when you start feeling superior to other people or, or thinking, anytime you think you're smarter than anybody else, I promise nobody's smarter than anyone else. We're just all experts in our own field, you know. Some of the smartest people yeah. in the world could say change the oil in a car. You feel yourself feeling superior. You're you're in trouble because you're going to be humbled quick. And being humbled always hurts. It always hurts. We all need it, but it always hurts. Yeah. Humility is huge. It's interesting that you said that ego is not a real thing, but it is. It's kind of uh, my last guest. Um, G.P. Walsh is uh, a teacher. He he literally said that. You know, it's, it's it's really it's not a real thing. It's based on our beliefs. It's a belief system, if you will, of things that have happened to us up until this time, and it's what we've built in order to keep ourselves safe, in order to stay out of that. You know, so that uh, it goes goes right along with that. And it is a spiritual thing, really. It's almost like okay, yeah. I get it. There's, it's almost like there's, there's, there's this thing there that's got us or it's kind of controlling us, if you will, but in reality, it's just our thoughts and beliefs and patterns, right? It is. And you gotta be careful of your beliefs too, because your beliefs change over time. As we get older and as our experiences change, there's things that I, you know, I was a very, I was in the military and, and I, and I thought that that was something I believe. I don't believe in that anymore in any way. So I took a, an acting class at University of Washington to improve my speaking performances, and the, the professor was a very wise soul. He's directed a lot of act, a lot of different things, and, and he was talking to us about who we really are, and, and it really, you know, struck a chord with me. He's talking about 
you're not who you think you are. And he gave us proof. He said, think about how different way you talk to your girlfriend or boyfriend than you talk to your grandmother. You have a different tone. You use different language. You know, and, and I think about how you talk to your parents, talk to your, your boss. And, and they're right. We become different people. So don't be too bought into who you think you really are. Yeah. Getting in touch with yourself. That's a big deal. It's obviously a huge part of the, part of a lot of the work that I've done and am doing on a daily basis. That, that's a big deal. And there was a, there was a concept that was presented to me at one point, which was, which goes along with what you're saying, which is, you know, we have two identities. Some of us might have more, but we really have two, right? There's, there's, there's our, there's our core identity, which is more of who we really are. And then there's our shell identity. And the shell identity sometimes ends up being that, you know, it's that, it's that covering that we, that we use to keep ourselves safe. Or it might be, you know, okay, well, what, who, what do you, you know, when someone says, like, who are you? It's more like, well, what do you do? People want to know, right. well, what do you do? <laughs> and then yeah, what you do, right? And then you what are. you do, that, that becomes that shell identity and it's like, oh, I'm a banker. I'm this, I'm that. Well, when you, you know, okay. Well, is that who you are? Right, that's interesting. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, that's a good. I like, I like that separation of of what you do and who you are. Are not the same thing. That's how you earn a living. It isn't who you are. <laughs> that's you play the, exactly. That's, yeah. that's that's the big part. Yeah, that's the big part of the teaching of the ego. Because part of what the ego again and and, and just is like you know some people believe that's that's okay. Well, the ego is somewhat made up of what I what I do, what I have, and what other people think of me. Right. So we have these confusions. Um, how much uh, how much does our how much does our ego affect the different areas of our life, our work and our personal life and spirituality, everything? Do you think? Yeah, uh, the biggest thing I think you know, I talk about you trigger something in my mind that I like to share with everybody is one of the biggest things I see that people self sabotage themselves um, is, is is they do a lot of what I call resume reading, and what it is is I, I think that I am what I am today. What I do every day is kind of who I am. You know, if I used to do something, I don't do that anymore, so I'm not that anymore. So if you find yourself, and I see this in successful people that I don't see this as such, um, you know, I like the financial thing's good because you can measure it. <laughs> yeah. You know, sure. that's, the only, that's the only thing nice thing about financially. Uh, but but they, they don't talk about how much they used to make at their old job or the good old days. They talk about where they're going, not where they've been. And I mm. found that to be true about every successful person I know. Not just financially, but in everything. You know, people who are, are very athletic and very health conscious don't talk about their body when they were 25. They talk about their body, where they're going, their goals and stuff, and, and same with spirituality or, or financial goals too. They're, they're working on where they're going. And a lot of times when people have had tough times, they have to change industries. And they say, well, I made this much at my old job. Or they're starting a business, and which one makes me scream when they do that. They talk about those salary throw job. Well, that has no relevance on which, where you're going or what you're going to have to do because you can make 10 times your salary in your new profession if you decide to, if you're willing to do the work, but not if you keep focused on how much you used to make and how good-looking we used to be. <laughs> mm, right? Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good point. That's a good point. When someone says, you know, what are you doing or what do you do, what's going on in your world, well, you know, back in 2008, <laughs> back in 2009, I did this, I did this thing and, you know, that's like one of the last things that somebody could hold on to. 
that was great or that they feel warranted their 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 worth and and that's an ego thing and uh that's interesting because it is part you're of absolutely right oh. yeah they're they weren't just yeah. worth a lot then they're, they're worth you're worth a lot now you're worth more than you were then <laughs> because you're wiser yeah, and you're older and, and you're better right and the ego is in, because it's tied to like outside things it's not tied to the inside worth in a many in many times it's almost like it's competing. Um, someone said, "Well, I haven't like put, I haven't got rid of my ego. I just partnered with it. It's kind of like that. It goes along with what you said, you know. There's a like there's a help. Use that. You, you should, yeah, that, yeah. I borrowed it. So someone said that, and, and it's like so it makes sense because, like you said, there's a healthy there's a healthy ego, and and let's touch on that for just a minute. We talked about it briefly, but self esteem. So how is a healthy self-esteem tied in with a healthy ego? And I guess that begs the point, which I think you said. There is a way to use the ego in a healthy manner, in your opinion, or there is such a thing as a healthy ego? There is. I, you know, I, I can give you an example of, of work supervisors and bosses. I, I think that I, I recognize more, I learn more from pain, and, and I only learn when I lose, and I'm more human than most, but... I notice a lot of times with supervisors and managers that they they take the approach of of, of the, everyone I work with is incompetent, you know. And if everybody would do just do their job, wouldn't life be better? Mm-hmm. As opposed to the, the 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 one that really works, which is um, building people up and absolutely mm-hmm. getting the best out of everybody. And the only way you can really do that is by having faith in other people. You have to put trust in them first, especially if you're dealing with people. And, and, and anyone, and this isn't just at work, but in any relationship you have, you really have to believe in that person. You have to let them know that you're on their team and that you got their back no matter what. And when you do that and you really believe it, and, and sincerity shows. So if you don't believe it, don't say it, because that's just stupid, because it's not going to work anyways. Mm-hmm. But you'd be amazed at what you can get out of people if you put them in the right position and you actually believe in them. They are going to go far beyond your expectation. And I found that to come true and true. When you sincerely believe in somebody else, you know, you're going to be surprised what they're capable of. And you got to keep in mind, if you've been doing something, you know, the ten, you know, the Malcolm Gladwell, the 10,000 hour principle, if you've been doing something 10,000 hours, you're an absolute expert on it. Yep. Um, you got to remember that you've seen this movie 10 times. You've read this book 10 times. This person has it. So, Keep that in mind when you're when you're dealing with them. You got to be patient, <laughs> and patience always pays. It always does. Yeah, I like that belief and and faith. So that's like managing from the work aspect. That's like managing, you know, out of and a totally. There's a managing by fear, and then there's the opposite. I kind of see. I definitely see that as what you're kind of referring to. And then in any relationship, that's good to know. I, I love that. It, you let somebody know you have their back no matter what, but then you got to go back to the honesty thing. Don't really say it if you don't mean it. And if you don't mean it, then you need to check yourself anyway in certain relationships, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I would think. Yeah. And the best, way to, the best way to be competent in anything is to be present. You know, being present is first and foremost. I always tell people, when I give a speech and stuff, that to, to separate yourself in, in not just the workplace, but in a relationship in this country, just being present, <laughs> you, you separate yourself from 98 out of 100 people. And so that's yeah. the equivalent of just showing up, 
showing up is a big deal, and it makes you successful, you know. Yeah, being present. Being present allows you to listen, which is a lost art. It is, and it was hard for me. I joined Toastmasters, and it's a communication class, and they have all over the mm-hmm. world. And it's for public speaking, but it's more for listening. And I've seen it take people who, who are painfully shy, who would have a heart attack before they get up in front of a room and speak. In a few months, they look like Anthony Robbins. And, but what it, the real miracle of the program is people like me who love to get up, love attention, think, think we have something to share with everybody. It made me sit down and listen to other people. And that's, <laughs> that's amazing, you know. Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. Familiar with that. Um, so, how does the seemingly innate desire to, or need to, to be right or to win arguments tie in with, with the ego and with your work? Oh, that's a good what one. you know for me. I read all these books and I've seen all these speeches on how to win every pro, win every argument and how to negotiate better. And I just don't believe in it. I think that we have to go for in every work relation and every personal relationship, we have to go for win-win. I like the person going away from, from a conversation with me thinking they got more out of me than they gave. Because then I know they're going to come back for more. <laughs> I like to give, be of service as much as I can and give as much resources so people will come back to me someday and get more resources. But when I take, take, take from people, they don't come back. You know, they, they, they feel like they were used and they don't feel comfortable and, you know, no one likes to feel like they got vested in anything. Wow, that makes me just think about people that go through life. Because I've been in the, you know, I have a little bit of a sales and marketing background, and I've been in some situations, and it makes me think about, oh yeah, somebody goes through their life, win, win, win. I, I won. I'm a winner. I won that. I won that. I won that. And then, okay, so and then at some point when we grow up, <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I won. I, I'm a winner, but here I am alone. <laughs> Without people, because I want everything, and those people don't want to listen to me anymore. That's interesting. Um, and the smart yeah, so people don't talk- always say anything. You know, they don't. You know, I've, it's hard for me. I wasn't a very educated person. And I'm self-educated, but I watch people who who are the best communicators, and they don't have to have an answer for everything. You know, they're listening mm-hmm. a lot. But they say the most powerful person in the room is the one who's not saying anything. <laughs> and the people that are talking a lot are usually the insecure egomaniacs who think that that's their significance. So they're not about quality of information or, or quality of time. They're just about, you know, just about kind of excessive, I don't know what you call it, just overdoing it. Hmm. Yeah, I heard uh, what you, I know you've used this, or heard it. Um, God gave you two ears and one mouth, use them in proportion, right? So that's, that that's huge, and and you're coming from what you're saying is also mixed in with a concept of you know kind of and it's, and it doesn't sound like a selfish place to me, but it's more about how can I serve instead of what am I going to get out of this, and that's a tough one. But when you're serving and you're giving and you give, that every successful person I know that are that are like masters or anything huge, it's all about that. It's like no, you know, give, give, give. I mean, I, quite frankly. Uh, geez, Anthony Robbins comes to mind, and I, and the guy's just like, you know, what is he's mega, mega successful, right? But he's give, he's a giver. What he's doing and what he does for people is coming from his heart. 
You know, it's coming from inside. So it's not just, you know, what, what can, how much can I make off this? And then just, and I think, you know, after you go down that path for a certain amount of time, I mean, look, we gotta eat. So there, again, there's this whole dichotomy, right? Um, but what you're saying is, is serving and listening and, and, um, not having to feel like that. Going into a meeting and saying, okay, I want the best result for this. How can I make that happen instead of I want what I want and I'm going to get it and then I need to win and yeah, pushing forward. I love that. Well, I appreciate um, that. One of the experiences I had was uh, going to different, you know, trying to take away things. I had an experience where I visited different churches if I moved to a big city. And I found myself being like a restaurant critic or a review critic or a movie critic mm-hmm. and saying, oh, I like this. I don't like this. I don't, as opposed to just going and enjoying it and trying to bring something of benefit to it. And when I finally mm-hmm. figured out what I was doing and said, what? You're not going to like one 100% anyways. You're setting yourself up to fail to say, oh, this isn't as good. And we see people do this in relationships. We like this yeah. person's body, but we like this, how much money this person makes. And we like how we feel with this person. We like how exciting this person is. So we spend our whole life comparing it to that or our next job, you know, the resume reading again. I like this, but I didn't like this. I, you know, well, it's pointless, right? It's just, you're, you're spinning your wheels because you're not going to find the perfect anything ever <laughs> because it just doesn't exist. It's kind of a, it's an empty chase. It, and, and that's, that's, yeah, it's like a question. And someone had said, um, Okay, and they were, you know, okay, for, like, for example, like you're saying, you're doing that or somebody's complaining, well, I don't like that, they're not doing this, this situation, I don't like this, that, whatever. And the question would then would be posed, well, what did you, what are you, what did you bring to that situation? What are you bring? what are you giving in that? Where, what are you giving in that situation? Well, what do you mean? Well, what did you bring to it? You're wanting to take and get. Right. You know? What are you doing? Pointing out, <laughs> so, yeah. pointing out, point, pointing out flaws in people or things. It's it's not of any value. You know, professional problem solvers are rare and they're rich. So if if you can find which the ways to fix things and make things better, like you just said, it it makes you valuable because you're rare. Yep. But what what does being the best version of ourselves have to do with our ego? Oh, um, that's a tough one. <laughs> a lot of things are popping to mind. I think that as humans, we, we, we get in the, as we get older too, you know, I, I try to tell people to live with urgency because it's never going to get easier than it is right now. We seem to think that our life's going to get better when we have more resources or more time. But the reality is if we haven't saved any money in 15 years, we're not going to be able to do it in the next 15 days or 15 months. So we got to get started right where we're at. And mm. we always think we need more to be more, and we don't. We just need to get started. Most success in anything is start, it only happens with baby steps. And people who are pros, the best at anything, they dull everything down and make it almost not fun anymore. So we see them and we think, oh, this person's so successful that they're gifted. And that's a bunch of BS. They're not. They may have had a few things that helped them, but the only reason they got better was because they worked on it and they dulled it down to, to menial. <laughs> and that's how they got successful. It isn't exciting, which is nice and simple, which means we all can do it. They don't have anything that we don't have. You know, we're all blessed and born to do great things. But very few people actually take advantage of it and do that. 
A lot, yeah. So because being the best version of ourselves, I mean, we're 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 we we we're born and then we go through this process and you know we're trying to get the gold stars and we're you know we're 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 competing and and we're trying to gain the approval of our parents and then our other people and our spouses and being the best version of ourselves turns into you know our accomplishments and you know like that path like I said like okay what do we have oh my possessions what about what do I do okay well meaning. You know, what, what, what title do I have? And then what other people think of me? Like, what are my accomplishments? And what, you know, what, what, you know, what can I say? So it's this drive to be our best selves. And I kind of have realized that there's a whole nother side to that. It has nothing to do with any of that. So the best version yeah. of ourselves is being some, being somebody that's kind of more along the lines of what, you, you know, you've been kind of referring to. Well, we have such low expectations for ourselves, and we did, we weren't always that way, but we've been rejected so many times, and we listen to people who, and a lot of times it's our parents, who have the great intentions. They want us to be what they consider financially secure, and, and that's fine, but maybe we're created to do great things. I was just talking to a woman. I, I practiced my speech that there's a aerobics room at the gym, and there's a mirror set up, so that's where I practice so I can do my body language for the speeches. And sometimes people are sitting there and they listen to my speeches, which is great. Good practice for me. And and uh, I was talking to this young woman, and her, her mother wanted her to go to University of Oregon College. So she went, and she dropped out. And her whole family thought she was a failure, and they blamed her for, you know, not studying hard enough. And, and she opened up. She started doing um, cosmetology stuff. Well, now she owns her own school, and, and she teaches cosmetology, and she has her own shop, and she's become outrageously successful, way beyond what her parents had planned for her. They had a plan of her making 50 grand a year, working as a certain kind of job, and this and that. And when she actually listened to herself, even though it wasn't easy, even though she disappointed her parents, she did what she was meant to do, and she loves it, you know. And I always tell people, you'll know when you're doing what you, because a lot of times a lot of people have a hard time finding what it is that they're meant to do. And I tell them this, I say, if you, after work, you go home and you watch YouTube videos over this thing, over and over, and you show it to all your friends, and they think it's stupid, but you still show them because you're so interested in it that you think everyone must love this. That's when you know what you're born to do. <laughs> it's when you're boring all your friends and family with it. <laughs> That's great. That's a good one. Well, now that we're on that topic, let's touch on that for a minute. The idea of purpose and passion and what I'm meant to do. I mean, uh, I'm sure you you probably speak to people a lot that very well might not be doing what they were meant to do or what or what they they're passionate about per se. And I'm assuming you try to help them learn how to have a little bit of passion in what they're doing in the moment instead of trying to live in the past or the future. But that whole concept of I mean it sounds like to me that you're doing what you love. And I have, that that didn't just happen by itself. I mean, there was a path, right? There is. And I think what I always talk to people and, and when I try to encourage anybody is I try to say, um, what would you do if you couldn't fail? You know? And, mm-hmm. and what I've found is I always try to tell people, too, it isn't resources. Everyone always thinks it's resources. But what I've found with people with more resources, what do they do more up there? They waste more. They waste more. 
It's the people who are eating macaroni and cheese that are the ones that become super successful. And anyone who's ever worked with somebody will, will back me up on this. The people in your field, if you've been doing your field for any period of time, the ones that become the most successful are never the ones you thought would be. They're never the most talented or the smartest. They just seem to grit it out and stick with it. And the, mm-hmm. that encourage that the, the average have average people have an advantage. When something becomes easy to you, you seem to take it for granted. You don't have to work as hard as everybody else. You don't dull it down. You just show up on game day. You don't do as much of the practicing. But those people who are persistent with the practicing, you know, and this, the one I always, I always tell everybody is work is just meant to pay the bills. If you think you're going to get successful at work, you're not. That's just going to get you by. The people who get successful, even at the, in the same career as they're in, they're taking classes after work. They're doing extra studies. They're networking with people after work. Those are the people that become super successful. The 9 to 5 or the 9 to 8, well, you know, nowadays. That's just going to break you even. Yep. Um, you're, <laughs> I'm glad we opened up this topic a little bit because it's, you're preaching to the choir. And, and, and I, I think, uh, you know, everybody that's listening to this will get something out of it. You know, I had, just real briefly, I had that that idea, right? Okay, well, I'm working to pay the bills. I had a family. I, you know, I had to support people. I had to do stuff. So I, I worked, and I and I worked to pay the bills. And then on, after work and on the weekends, I was hustling to build a business on the side because I thought, oh, well, I'll build this business, and then I'll make enough money to where I can quit my job, and then I'll, you know, hire somebody to to replace me. And then after that, then I'll actually live my passion and spend more time with my family and, and live my dreams. And I'm telling you, man, it, it, it never worked. And here's the reason why: because the business I was trying to build on the side, I wasn't passion. It wasn't my passion either. It was just a business to make more money to try to replace the money that was being made. It was this rat race cycle that was insane. And so, you got to at some point. I love what you just said. Work is just meant to pay the bills. Understand that. But then look, and what do I love? Almost like, and this sounds silly, but what would I do if money was no object? What would I do if I wasn't getting paid? What do I really enjoy? What juices me? What do I enjoy? What thrills me? What gets me excited? You know, which well, is uh, again, it, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's a it's a passion worth pursuing. Um, is trying to find that, and it's not necessarily always easy. But uh, when I yeah, when I, I talk to people, or yeah, go ahead. Well, I saw a great speech. One of my favorites is Grant Cardone. And I saw him live in Las Vegas. And he was up there talking to a big group of very successful salespeople. And he said, you know, you guys make a hundred grand a year and you think you're rich. He says, you know, you pay half in taxes. After your mortgage and this, you live paycheck to paycheck. You know, you have a, you stole 30 years on your house. You say, well, I think you're that successful. And that really stuck home to me because I always thought, and it's moved up through the years. When I was in high school, I thought if you made 40 grand a year, you're rich. Then when I got a little bit older, I thought 80. Then I thought, well, if you make 200 grand, you're rich. Well, of course you're not. <laughs> it's not that much money. Not with inflation yeah. and how much everything costs. You know, if you, if, if you got injured and, and couldn't work for three months, most people would be, they'd lose everything. Their houses, their families, or everything. <laughs> you know, and yeah. if, if our, if our marriage is, is, is based on our income and our housing and our security, and we only have a month or two of that, you might not be as successful as you think you are. And I don't I don't say that to make anybody feel bad. I just I just say it so people will maybe 
think, wake up and think, well, maybe I need to do more while I'm young and while I have a chance, you know, because, it, you know, anytime, we only have certain kind of years where we're going to be the most productive, where we have the most physical energy. And people always say, oh, well, there's Colonel Sanders. And yes, there are a few Colonel Sanders, but that is a small percentage of the people, you know, who still have the desire and the hunger when you're in your 70s and 60s and 70s to, to still be chasing chasing dreams. Yeah. And there's and there's obviously something to be said with that because you you nailed it. I mean, if 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 everything if our world right is is kind of tied up in our ego, which again might be this whole concept right of 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 what I have, what I do, and what other people think about me, and then you lose that because it's all tied to a job or something, then you're screwed. And 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 why? Because you're not doing anything that you love. I mean, so that goes back to this passion thing. You know, you gotta. Kind of find something that you really do because ultimately you can make money doing what you love, but it's a, sometimes it's a hard road. Not sometimes; it's always probably a hard road, you know. And, and harder than it's harder than it's ever been because there's more competition. Margins are smaller than they used to be, and I don't care what anybody says. More competition in any business affects your profit. So you got to do more to make to make less, <laughs> and that gets old fast too, you know. Yeah. Mm, I had a question here about your kind of your work. I'm sure you work, you have done and do a lot of work with businesses that include, you know, managers and and you've mentored CEO level executives. I mean, how much of how much of uh, you know kind of spinning things and and we talked about it a little bit, but um, how much does that affect? You know, how much does the ego play into dealing with those? people and kind of helping them make a, a shift or make changes in their work, what they do. And my experience has been, David, that the people who, who want to get better will. And then um, there, there's other kind of people when you bring up that you're in personal accountability or business accountability, they'll roll their eyes and say, well, I know somebody who needs that. And that's the challenge. It's, it's the latter person. You know, it's, it's not me. It's somebody else. And And what I try to tell people is, I look at my own life and, and my own pluses and minuses. I look at it like a, a kindergarten through high school education. In certain subjects, public speaking, I'm, in, I'm a senior in high school or I'm in a community college. <laughs> but in other subjects, like maybe emotional intelligence or, or anger management, I might still be in the second or third grade. So if you're already inclined for something, if you are already got that down, you need to go to Harvard and graduate and get a get a doctorate in that. If you're already so, you need to look at it like that. You don't need to focus on what other people need to do. If you're good at that, then then you need to find some areas that you might need a little bit of work on. That you're still in middle school, and, and that's what I try to teach. Is I said, let's get better. If we're good at something, let's be the best at it. And if we're terrible at something, let's get it so at least we can get by. How much do you think – talk to me about the ego and the present moment because we talked about it just a little bit. How much does that kind of tie in, like being in the moment, you know, speak to that or and or the future, the past. We, we touched on that a little bit. So what do you feel the ego has to do um, with that? Uh, well, the ego in the present moment, like 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 someone's ego. Um, we talked about living in the past or the future, kind of getting pulled in one of those different ways. I mean, does the ego, um, and, and kind of you also mentioned it's, it's somewhat of a spiritual thing. It's not a real thing. So how, how important is it in, 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 to be in the moment 
Um, for being present and moving forward, um, you know, honestly, based thinking with your ego, it, it's it's being your best self. And if, if you couldn't fail at something, what would you do? You know, and, and I don't really talk a lot about money and careers because that's stuff you can kind of measure, uh, financial success and that. But in, in all your – if you were to create the perfect you, and I don't believe in perfect balance. You know, a lot of people say you do have to be balanced. I don't think it exists. I think to be successful in anything, you have to be obsessed a little bit, a healthy obsession. And you notice that people who are really into certain spiritual goals or relationship goals, sometimes their work suffers and vice versa. But you, you really got to figure out what it is that's going to make you make you happy and and, and it's going to pay you the long term benefits. You know that you're actually, you know, I have a friend. He, he goes, he lives down in California. And he has eight kids. And he makes a good income, but when you have eight kids, all the money's gone. And he goes mm. to Six Flags. That's their big thing. They go, well, you live in Southern California, you can appreciate this. So they go Six yeah. Flags all the time, but they don't like to go in those long lines, and they live right there. So. But one year, he got three tickets from work to go. So he had to go during the busiest time, the longest lines. And he gets in this line, and the line's at the end of the day. It's the biggest ride. The line's going off forever, and the line keeps moving. They're making some progress, but it's been hours. And finally, someone at the front of the line they were in turns around and says, hey, this isn't a line. So what happened was they just got in line behind other people. And what this story is, is an example of what we do in life. We just think that we're in a line. We're not even in a line. We're just somewhere. We're just existing. You know, we're, we're not thriving in anything. We're just surviving. And we weren't created for that. You know, God wants better for us, and we want we deserve better than that for ourselves and our family. That goes to speaking to the idea that we are much more powerful than we believe that we are. Yeah, I talk about the worst letter. There's a swear word in the English language that everybody uses. They use it about their kids, their themselves. We're proud of it. We say, oh, yeah, I could do that, but I'm just lazy. I mean, everybody says that now. And it's like, I don't know when that had became a thing <laughs> to be proud of, but that's the way they say it. They say it with pride. Another thing people say they're proud of is being OCD, like that's something to be proud of, the overclean thing. When you have other parts of your life you need to be working on and cleaning up. You're scrubbing down the sink, and you think, oh, that means I'm really clean. It doesn't mean that. It means you're obsessed about the wrong thing. It's an unhealthy obsession, and it'll get you absolutely nowhere. Mm. And the same thing with lazy, cleaning, you know. <laughs> cleaning the wrong thing. Yeah, no, I don't know when that became a thing either. I think that has to do with, you know, just kind of uh, just resting on your laurels or just kind of, you know, okay, well, I'm good. I'm, I don't need, you know. I don't need to do, I don't need to do anything else. That goes, I can go into all of that, which is, okay, go home and just, let's see, what am I going to do? Okay, well, I got done with work, so I'm going to go home and I'm just going to watch TV for three or four hours and then, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> We're proud um, that the, I don't know, I've done it myself. I know my life could be better. I know I could do all these things. I know I could write a book. I know I could travel. But I'm just lazy. <laughs> it's terrible. It really is. That's funny. Well, someone said that's why there's so much room at the top, and and, and uh, so in a weird, awkward way, it's it's a good thing. But you know, everybody should want the best for themselves. I'm a proponent of that, and obviously, you know. Anyway, so tell me. Um, all right, so you speak, and you you do public speaking. You have a specific 
you know, it's called, uh, I introduced it in the beginning. So tell me a little bit about your speaking and how people can get in touch with you and get more of, of what you have going on and obviously get your book, et cetera. How can they touch base with you? Um, my, my book's exclusively on the Amazon. It's the Amazon bestseller. Um, I do speak, and I do speak to all different kinds of corporations and I speak at churches too. Um, and the, the program that I'm most proud of right now is knocking negativity out of the workplace. And you contact me on Twitter. And I, uh, I'm on Twitter every day, so if you reach out to me, I'll send you a free copy of my book. That's awesome. That's awesome. Great. Well, I really, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us and, uh, appreciate you being on the show. Well, thanks, David. It was a lot of fun. I'll be back. Awesome. Thank you so much. I will. Appreciate it. It's not easy to face our demons. It's not easy to look in the mirror and actually deal with the issues at hand. It's much easier to stuff or numb or deny or ignore or run away from our problems and our pain. I implore you to take a close look. And until next time, I'm David Dom.